Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Geek Podcast Podcast with yours truly, Mr. Stephen Hesse, soloing it up on the 30th of April 2018 to bring you laughs and joys and soloing it up to explain all the situations and my opinion on random shit. Well, actually, it's not random shit. I've actually thought it through for once. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows a bit of a rambler and a bit of a waffler. Um, and I've really enjoyed the last two editions. If it's your first time listening, um, I basically every now and again do a solo edition just to update everybody about um, the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff that's going on. But I have to say, the last couple of episodes in particular, I've really enjoyed with Alex from BattleBods, who is a really big friend of the show, um, been on several times, and Paul Cram, um, who talked about being on um, the Woody Harrelson film uh, Wilson, uh, which uh, was fascinating, and obviously, you know, all the other stuff that we talked about, you know, being an actor and having an agent and whatnot. I thought it was really, really interesting, and it was nice to get some feedback about that. So, thank you for those that did. Um, it, it, it's been a, it, it, I've really enjoyed, you know, having a regular stream of guests. So it's nice to kind of do something a little bit different, um, and also to explain the situation about, um, you know, obviously, um, you know, Geek Apocalypse's history and how many podcasts we've done and whatnot, and why, you know, my, my sort of current situation. Even though I know I've talked about this before. But obviously, I feel like it's time to kind of talk about it in a little bit more detail um, because of the news uh, I have to share as well. Um, and news that will be coming up very shortly, but which I can't talk about right now. So a little bit of a teaser for upcoming episodes. Um, so yeah, so I guess to start with, the thing that makes obvious sense is to explain why I'm only able to do a couple of podcasts a month now. Um, it's because of the news that you may have heard uh, me and Ricky talk about in a previous show. Um, it's Spice FM. Uh, which is 98.8 FM in the northeast of England. Um, a really good radio station. Uh, it's been around for quite a long time. Uh, sort of fill people in for those who have never, you know, not from England or even the northeast of England. So, yeah, it's a, it's a local radio station, essentially, but it's been around for a good 15 years or so. And they are, they offered for us to go on their radio station to do Mentally Sound. Um, and for those that don't know, Mentally Sound is another podcast that I do, um, but it's actually a radio show that started as a community project uh, a good few years ago now, and it was on an old, it was on a community radio station, so one you know a, a lower level than than Spice FM, and um, we obviously built it from the ground up, and it was as I said a community project with the idea of people from all walks of life, uh, mental health um, sufferers or not. Um, to talk about their situation or how they feel about certain things and um, I've been involved with that since the beginning of the project since I basically got out of hospital um, with my bipolar disorder issues so obviously a really really big deal and as I said we built it from the ground up because you know it was a project with the idea of just to provide people who necessarily don't get a voice in sort of mainstream media because 
you know, obviously we're talking about a very taboo subject, and um, but I think there's what gives the show power if you listen to it by typing in Mentally Sound on iTunes. You can find all the the, the episodes that we've done, and there's going to be a new one released very very soon, if not today, possibly tomorrow. Um, so that's for um, uh, uh, the first uh, April show because the news about that is is we used to do it once a month. Um, uh, the show that is, and uh, yeah, so we, we and it was really fun. Uh, me and Ricky, uh, me and Ricky, um, you know, co-hosted, and uh, we had a bit of time about eight months or so where it was off the air. I think it's something like eight months, uh, because we made the decision with the community radio station that we previously had had a lot of back um uh, behind the scenes tr- trouble. They also lost their uh, li- like sort of license in the place that they were staying, like their not license, their um you know, like their 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 lease, that's what I'm trying to that's the word I'm trying to say. So yeah, so they had to move, um and they were finding it difficult to find a new place. They eventually did, but then they had to build a studio that took forever. Um, and then I spent ages trying to get the previous show off their database because they gave me the show as a copy to podcast because, to be frank, because it's a community radio station, we were the best listened show on that station. Uh, we used to get the numbers back, uh, which weren't obviously ridiculously high, um, but it, we were the best thing they had, and we were only on once a month, which tells you all you need to know. And I don't say that to be, to be arsy, it's just... I'm telling you a fact that, that that was the situation. So we felt a little bit underappreciated because of that situation and also um, not getting... The podcast that we then put up online got far more views um, and listens and downloads than, than, than the community radio station got when we were live for obvious reasons. You know, the time slot we were in and just the community radio station, so it's hard to pick up. Um, it's not like an FM license, which is, I think, 25 miles circular, I think, is how much you get for an FM license, so, you know, a, a pretty good wide range, um, you know, distance-wise, so, yeah, it was a, a difficult decision in the sense of, you know, they gave us our first opportunity, but I felt that it was a good enough show that we could take it somewhere else, and the reason it took eight months is because, um, you know, I was still doing this, and everyone had stuff to do, and me and Ricky, and, it, and to, to be fair, Ricky was the primary uh, reason that it got the opportunity to be on Spice in the first place. Um, he has a good relationship with them, and he, you know, asked if they wanted to do that, and they sort of asked as well, and and then it sort of became uh, that we got the opportunity to be on Spice. So, since we've been on Spice FM, so the whole build-up to this, the reason I'm, I'm talking about this, is that they came to me, uh, one of the guys who runs it, a lovely guy named Sandeep, um, messaged me to say they really like our show, it's doing pretty well. Um, this is after doing it for about a year. And uh, literally was a year, actually. Um, a year being on Spice. So 12 shows. Well, actually, technically 13 shows, so we did a special as well. And, yeah, um, they wanted us to do twice a month. So I actually think, because of the progress that that show has made, that I think we could have done two a month. And the first one we did was the, the Friday just gone, so the 27th um, of April was the last one we did. So that'll be released in a couple of weeks after that. And it went really well, and I love doing that show. Um, it's just as open as Geek Apocalypse is. Um, and so um, that ultimately, quite understandably, because um, you know, I'm getting into other personal stuff that I've got to go through but uh, currently at the minute, but um, it makes a great deal of sense. 
um, that I will have to not do as much of a workload for the apocalypse. Um, that would become difficult to do anyway for the personal stuff that I'm about to talk about. But ultimately, um, yeah, uh, I would be doing uh, to to make the decision, which I am now, of doing only two episodes a week of Geek Apocalypse, as opposed to doing four. Is the idea of doing six podcasts a month, considering I have no booker, I nobody helps me run this, um, other than you know odd bit of help from friends if I need to. Um, occasionally, I've asked freelancers to be involved if I've got any spare money. Um, but it's simply becoming really, really difficult um, to to have that. You know, the, the sheer amount of effort it takes to do six a month. Um, I, I I I can't comprehend how difficult that would be. Um, so it doesn't make sense to do that because I want mentally sound to be good. I want Geek Apocalypse to be good. And there's nothing to say that if we if I did get two guests for Geek Apocalypse and there was an idea of a podcast that came up uh, with a person that I would really want to do, or if I did do two guests and me and Ricky wanted to talk about something, that isn't to say that two is set in stone. That I just mean the limitation of doing at least two, like two um, minimum, means that um, that gives less pressure to do four week. Uh, four months, sorry, which is what um, the, the the what I did do. You know, I was crazy at the beginning because you know podcasts used to be only like once, like podcasts really ultimately when you first start, a bit like what we did with Mentally Sound, do once a week or once every once a couple of weeks or once a month, or e- e- even if you want to start that way. I just went, I want to do one a week, and I put all my effort into it, and you know, getting the the the, the amount of good guests that we've had on over the years, you know, has that benefit. But you know it is a little bit crazy. Um, but that uh, to 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 just start doing that from the get go. But I um you know um I love doing this, so it's not a case of that I don't want to do for a month. Um, I just don't think I'm able to. Is basically the gist. So yeah, so going to but going back to mentally sound, doing two shows a month is pretty great. And I'm really we were we me and Ricky in particular were really flattered. That we got that you know they they were wanting us to do that and um, well they actually wanted us to do you know a bit of a reveal they actually wanted us to do once a week but I don't think that's at this moment in time plausible um not just for time reasons but um we do believe in that getting a couple of guests two or three guests a every show um is the whole reason to provide like voices for charities or for individuals to talk about their story or what they provide. Um, it's less about me and Ricky kind of talking about stuff. That's why I like. I feel that this podcast is different because we can talk about. You know, obviously, it's a it's a um, unfiltered podcast. Um, Mentally sound is on pre watershed because we do twelve to two p.m. So we have to uh, adhere to Ofcom regulations, so no swearing or anything like that. Um, it means that me and Ricky got to stop being as racist. Um, that's a joke, obviously. I'm only kidding. <laughs> it's not racist at all. <laughs> it's not to need to be funny. Um, you know, yeah, but it is always like I always see me and Ricky's face when we're we're sitting there with a particular guest, going like, I wonder what they're gonna say. Like, please don't say because sometimes we forget to say. Because obviously we take breaks before guests come on because we play music and whatnot on that show. Um, so it was like, I see where they sort of looking at themselves going, I hope to God that they don't start, you know, start saying all these like, an, you know, anti-Semitic stuff or something like that. Like, and we're just like, uh, the views expressed by our guests are nothing to do. Because it's very difficult to screen anybody because obviously they could lie and say they're not going to say anything and then start saying stuff. And then we do obviously get vulnerable people. 
um, on the show, so that's obviously, we, we try our best to screen as best as possible, uh, but you can't guarantee it. Fortunately, nothing like that has happened so far, because obviously if something like that did happen, um, with there's a potential for the, the, the radio station to be sued, to be, um, you know, fined, uh, at the very least. So, uh, we try very hard to, uh, to make that not happen, because that's kind of stuck. Um, being that we have, ne- you know, zero budget, um, it would affect us um, quite quite substantially, uh, and particularly Spice FM, which relies solely on grant money. So, um, so yeah, but anyway, it's a really, really huge deal, and we're really happy with that, and so that's why it makes sense to, I'll do a podcast um, the first week of, um, the first week of the month, potentially, uh, or the first couple of weeks, obviously, and then the second couple of weeks, and then I can do mentally sound alternate weeks because um, we do currently the second Friday and the last Friday of the month. So that's got a nice, like, sort of uh, feel to it, is that I can focus on, you know, mentally sign one week, apocalypse one week, and, uh, and, and like, uh, and go from there, basically. So that's um, incredibly exciting. Also, to let people know, because obviously the website is down, uh, which I've talked about before, so I'm not going to go into too much, other than it's been worked on. Um, I know that's been an incredibly long time, but obviously there was the, if you listen to a previous solo podcast, Try and remember which one it was, but I talked about the sort of legal implications of what was going on. Um, so if you want to listen to that, that makes more sense than kind of going over it again. Um, but anyway, um, once it's able to come back um, uh, on uh, line, then obviously you know, you know feel free to do that. But because it's not, um, and my contact information isn't uh, widely available, I'm obviously at Geek underscore Apocalypse on the tweets and um, Stephen Hestwood Media, which is Stephen S T. S T E V E N H E S L E W O O D M E D I A at gmail.com is my email address if you're interested in being on the show or talking to me or want to ask me a question. Um, they're the two main accounts that I check uh, regularly, particularly the email because it's my business address, so a uh, business email. So, so please do uh, get in touch if you so desire. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's that's the the, the news in podcast uh, land. Um, in terms of um, the reason why, you know, sort of the workload is becoming um, a bit problematic, um, which makes a great deal of sense. But Mentally Sound, as I said, in particular, is going unbelievably well. And as I said, the last few editions of this, I felt like, you know, it felt old school enjoyment of doing the show. So it's not a case that I don't want to do it. Um, it's just realising that, like, when you do something that, um, you know, I started really boldly and trying to maintain that while you know um all the the personal stuff that i'm about to talk about um you know dealing with my bipolar disorder which i'm very frank about on both podcasts um and yeah before i forget to say about mentally sound before i move on in regards to that is i want to talk about the fact that we received some uh, tweets and whatnot about people criticizing the sound quality of the last one that we put out and i want to explain again why that's silly. Um, obviously, they're entitled to their opinion, uh, but not really knowing what they're talking about because, um, and he has fundamentally the reason why, um, you know, it's not going to be like radio, BBC radio standard is because um, Mentally Sound is helped by a couple of charities, you know, so they're not loaded with money. And as someone who pays to have a podcast server for Geek Apocalypse, because that's substantially bigger than Mentally Sound is currently, um, it's really expensive. Um, it's really expensive, particularly when your content is free. 
And that's a really important sentence to say. Um, and I think people get into the habit with being on the internet that they expect everything for free and the quality to be like you're paying for it. Um, and I know that people want to criticize that and say, well, you know, just because it's free, it shouldn't be, you know, not as good quality. But that's not how it works in podcasting. I, I can only speak about that in particular industry, having been in it for a long time, is that the reason mentally sound is different is because it's the same thing that Sirius do with the Howard Stern show, particularly at the beginning that they got criticised for, is because if you have music in, there's a really, really big difference. And here's why. So when you listen to a Geek Apocalypse episode, the only music that gets played is the Toja Manil introduction, for those that are interested in knowing what that was, that after Northern North there's the introduction. Um, it's Toja Manil, which is the first video game I ever played. So that's the only um, music audio, basically, that you that you hear in majority of Geek Apocalypse episodes. So that means that all of the audio is just human voice. So you can make the the uh, file size as small, like small, for the bandwidth, and it doesn't affect the sound quality as much as it would if you're playing music or a whole bunch of other um, stuff within a show. And obviously, the length of the show matters too. So mentally sound, at the at the, at the very least, is a two-hour show. Um, and it also has music in, and it also has rotating guests. Now, that is hugely, hugely important. And also, we play ads. So, the amount of, like, files that are inserted into that into that two-hour block, you know, files as in the amount of audio files that I play during the show, is substantial. So, that increases the file size, which increases um, how difficult it is to have a consistently good sound quality because ultimately what what I think these people are saying is, is they listen to the first bit. I, I, have a, I have a theory that they haven't listened to the whole thing because they'll listen to the first song and because it's not great quality because that's what happens when you you know put the, the size quality down uh, with the two hour thing because it's not going to be radio quality like it's not going to be when I played it live on the air um, but the voices of the people are fine and very clear and that's ultimately what we're going for so if you are basically if you're listening to mentally sound and going the music isn't that great the music is not what the show is about but we decided to make it unedited because we're able to put the music out because we have the license through spice to be able to do that that's why you don't hear any mainstream music on geek apocalypse because it's expensive to do that it's like ridiculously expensive it's either you pay for a library of music or you pay for one song, which is far, far worse. So I'm just conveying that to let you know that that's, the, that's why the sound quality isn't great, particularly for the songs. It gets better, and, it, and why it gets better is you listen to it. But I listen to Mentally Sound, and I edit the shows, and I listen to it through my mobile phone, and the quality was fine. And, so, you know, the, the, and, and I care about the speaking parts, Um so that's, that's ultimately the situation. And as I said, a two-hour block, for example, I can tell you because it's on my mind uh, because I only, it was only a few days ago. Um, when I download Mentally Sound off their database, like you use a memory stick and then I take it home so I can, um, you know, obviously um, uh, then uh, check for any levels that need to be changed and then release it as the podcast. Um, that file size the last time round was 300 megabytes. 
Now, if I didn't do anything about that, that file and just put it up as it was, that's a ridiculously big file size um, and it has to be compressed. So you need to compress it as much as you can and try and, you know, you've got to sacrifice the same quality to do that with it being a two-hour window, but also um, you need to have it small enough that the bandwidth can handle it so as many people can listen and download it as possible. Um, so that's why I think the last one came to 29 megabytes is what I managed to get it down to, which I felt any lower than that would make the sound quality not good at all. So I made that educated decision. So I guess it's just really frustrating when you get people who who tweet you and go, sound quality's awful, without really, uh, I, I'm guessing, listen to the whole thing. So it's this whole click thing of, sound quality's awful, and I'm going to listen to it. When it's really just the, the potentially the opening song, which isn't terrible. Um, it's just ultimately the only way we can do this, because... If we're, we're talking hundreds of pounds, if we want it to be, you know, if we want to get a huge amount of bandwidth that we don't need to worry about what the file size of the podcast is, but we have to do that because we literally do this all in our spare time. For mentally, I'm talking about mentally sound. We do this all in our spare time. Um, you know, the, the Spice doesn't pay us, and the charities don't pay us currently, although that may change at some point. But we just do it because we're passionate about the project and we want to help people, you know, particularly people in the Northeast, promote uh, charities that, uh, that that do, you know, the grassroots that really make a fundamental difference. So that's what we do it for. So criticism we can take, but it's unfair criticism to the extent of I don't think ultimately they listen to the whole thing. And that's ultimately why you're never going to get great quality because we're not serious satellite radio, for example. We're not BBC Radio that has taxpayers' money. Um, we literally do this as a byproduct of a live radio show that obviously quality is far better when because it's on a radio station with radio radio quality equipment. And um, when we do it, 12 to 2 p.m. Um, every second and now for Friday on Space Event eight point eight FM. That was all just a build up to a, to a, to be to an to a radio ad. Um, that's the reason I wanted to rant so just to remind everybody that the very very great quality, unfiltered, <laughs> brilliance that is manly sound is available. Space FM. Um, but I I'm I'm honestly having a really really good time doing it. But that's ultimately you know criticism is fine. But I felt the need to 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 talk about it. And obviously, the great thing about doing Geekpocalypse is I can sit and um, and, and talk about um, it at length and provide context, which I think is 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 a wonderful thing that people don't spend enough attention on. Uh, is because I think a lot of people make rash decisions or judgments without actually thinking about how difficult um, something is or or what, or what what something is in terms of how it's run or how much money it has and all that kind of thing. Um, but that's to be expected when you when you when you link something on social media, people don't look for context. They 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 look at stuff at face value and go. Mm, 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 mm. Um, as I say, because I think people are a bit um, sort of spoiled spoiled because a lot of obviously you know mainstream companies now provide stuff as podcasts, and I understand it because some podcasts that I listened to, I was like, I'm like, oh, that's really that was really good and good quality and all this kind of thing, and I, I get it. Um, 
uh, but I understand as well. That, but the, but it's again, it's 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 very significant to understand in the context. It's like listen, you know, sometimes I listen to podcasts like when they first started, and listen to really old podcasts that started in like the sort of mid to late two thousands. Um, and you can hear the difference in 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 the in mic quality. Um, you know, cause obviously that technology over the last ten years is just like got got ridiculously good for 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 ridiculously cheap. Um. So yeah, so uh, it's 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 being aware of the context of when I do listen to something from ten years ago that I go, it was ten years ago, so the quality isn't going to be as good as what I'm expecting now. Um, so that's what I mean by people being a bit spoiled. So it's probably you know teenagers or something, who or, or early twenties or something who don't know what it was like ten years ago. Um, and uh, you know I know that 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 sounds like an old farty thing to say. Like I really am thirty years of age. Can you tell? Um, back in my day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's ultimately um what the situation is. Um, but yeah, so we but we've had some really really good guests on Mentally Sound, and I'm really pleased with the progress we're making. And a huge thank you to Ricky. He did, as I said about us getting on Spice. He deserves huge credit for the guests because he pr- he predominantly books majority of the guests, and um, you know he does a really really good job. And I'm hugely thrilled for him being my co-host. It's really fun. Um, and he's very like you know he's, he's passionate about me as I, about it as I am so that's uh, that's obviously wonderful. Um, but yeah, as I've I've hinted on for a couple of times is to provide an update about my personal situations. Because um, one of the reasons that it's become very very stressful is and I've talked about this before on other podcasts. But I'll give the short version and just provide an update because uh, this is the first time people listening. It makes sense to provide the co- ironically the context. See how important context is. You know, see, it was almost as if I planned that. Now to re- now to talk about how interesting and important context is for you, critical critical people. Um, but yes, yeah, so uh, my mom has not been very well. Um, she has Parkinson's and a, and also depression. Um, you know, pretty, pretty, like a depression anxiety type thing, and that's been going on since late last year. Um, and she decided she made the the, the 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 irrational decision of refusing to take her medication one particular day and that led in a roundabout way to her losing uh, the right for her to deal with her own medication um so it led to us as a family being legally responsible for like putting the medication out and uh, making sure she takes it which is obviously hugely overwhelming and I can't describe to you how, um, you know, that is re- relied, especially when you don't live with the person, relying on them at a, at a ridiculous level. Um, and when I say to you that I have been putting my mouse medication out every single day since about the beginning of December, so about five months, um, every single day going around to my mum's and putting my mum's medication out, um, which doesn't sound a great deal, but to think that you are relied on that level all the time, and I don't live, as I said, I don't live with her, and I used to, you know, a few years ago, obviously, because I was the last uh, sibling to leave, last offspring to leave, but that is really, like, demanding, um, and I don't say this to be, you know, make my mum upset or anything, not, she's not, she's not able to listen to this anyway, not, not that that matters, I'm just being painfully honest, is I want to do it, obviously, Um but it is a situation that's kind of been put on me. Um, that leads to, you know, and because I have to do it every day, it overlaps with stuff that, you know, I had a period of time when it first started that I, I had, I wasn't, I, I had no life at all because 
I had to go around to my mum's the last time she took her last medication, so I had no ability to do anything at night time, at night nights basically. So if I was working during the day and working on things or making sure my dog was okay, then I had no time to do anything um, at night time. So that that um, as somebody whose soul is embedded in spending time with friends, friends and friends in particular, uh, you know, and obviously certain family family when they you know visit. That was really, you know, hard on my mental health because that's what keeps me going. And I obviously want to give huge praise to my uh, girlfriend, um, who I've been seeing since New Year's Eve of last year, um, and I've known her since sort of uh, late November of last year, is that she's been, you know, a huge source of strength for me. Um, and, uh, you know, has been completely wonderful throughout this and very, very understanding and, you know, has gave me lifts occasionally. Um, and obviously the emotional support she's gave me has been great, so huge thank you to Haley because, um, you know, she's been wonderful in that regard. Uh, so yeah, so I have been got support, uh, and my, my sister as well, obviously, um, because my sister and I are mainly the two people who look after my mum. But it's really important for people listening to hear this because, you know, it's something that is worrying or as um, as difficult um, the expectation is that you will end up, you know, looking after your parents at some point, um, is to realise that, like, it's hard but not impossible, and it's just fighting consistently to get what you ultimately need from the government or from the NHS or whatever it is, because... So the brief version of what happened is, my mum got then a social worker because they're losing her ability for medication, and now she's looked after by the mental health for elderly, uh, which uh, elderly people, which is actually you know, a group that I never even knew existed, and they're brilliant. They constantly tell me and my sister and my brother what's going on with my mom. Like, so if they had a meeting, they say, "He has a copy of what we talked about," you know, because my mom's okay with, you know, gives permission to reveal that. So we know exactly what's going on, what medications should be taken, what's been changed, how mom's feeling based on what they've observed, and all that kind of thing. And it's wonderful because any other time that I ever suffered with my mental health, my parent, my family, which is one of the reasons they didn't help dare I say in the right way but I understand it is because they weren't given any advice um, they were just sort of like you know left in the lurch um, and because I wasn't getting the help I ultimately needed from my professional help they were at a complete loss what they were supposed to do because that's ultimately how it should work as they should you know you know, entwine with each other, whatever the right word is, is that, you know, mingle with each other and that it should be the professional help provides the support and the support provides the professional help, uh, you know, because that's something that I feel people don't spend enough time thinking about is that support is just as relevant as professional help is. So when people who support you by going, you need 100% professional help are not understanding what mental health is about, quite frankly, um, you need a little bit of everything uh, and they all need to be as equally strong um, you know, so if your support is fleeting and not as consistent, and the professional help is fleeting and not as consistent, then that's just as damaging. Um, so you have to be sort of, dare I say, in it for the long haul, which is why I think people ultimately make the decision of that it's too much and don't want to help people, um, you know, which is why the people who really ultimately care about you end up sticking around. Um, I, to be completely um, transparent, that is ultimately why we enjoy doing Mentally Sound because hopefully that will stop the discriminatory aspect of things and, you know, open the sort of floodgates of the it's totally okay to talk about, you know, how you feel. 
um, because it's ultimately just a part of your brain that isn't working correctly, whether that be genetic, um, by like say biological, or you, how the way you were brought up, or the the environment you've been around, and the you know, because I definitely was brought up in a very bipolar family, so it's not surprising I have a mood disorder, uh, really, um, because it was a very emotionally you know erupting uh, childhood that I had. Um, as well as, you know, my family have a history of, of mental health issues. Um, so it makes a great deal of sense. You know, it can be all three as well, which is quite um, significant. So, yeah. Um, so obviously my mental health has been affected by that. And so um, by the demand that I have to look after my mom a lot. Um, uh, and it, as I said, it's probably all three. So the situation I find myself in the fact that I already have a disorder, you know, just from my point of view, my, my general health is, I, I think I've done really well with it, all being good, but obviously I've had periods of time where I've really resented it and um, and wanted to, you know, um, have find a solution for it. But the reason it takes forever is the following, and as I said, it's really important for people to hear who might be in the same situation or worried that that's going to happen soon with their parents or something like that. So I can only just describe what my story is like. Um, but ultimately, so I started looking after my mom's medication, we had to go to a lot of reviews, she then broke her finger, so we were going to hospital all the time to sort out that, so she was really leaning on me a huge amount, um, which again, you know, she's my mom, so of course I know people will be listening to this going, she's your mom, of course she would do that, but I'm saying, you know, sometimes I would, I would, I went for a period of time of spending like, essentially being, like, I was at home being a carer again, was I was you know spending five six hours a day with her. Then I, you know I have a, a, a dog, and I've obviously got my own. You know sometimes I, I've got my own work to do, and I've got this to do. So you understand why Gigapocalypse takes the sort of backseat to that because it's really hugely demanding. Um, you know my mom has Parkinson's as well, so it's a lot about like making sure she's okay in that sense. So a lot to deal with, and a lot as a family to think about, quite understandably. So. Um, we then eventually came to the conclusion, try to, to, to wind this down, is to the, my mom was living uh, in the house that she, that we all grew up in, that she owns, so it was my mom and dad's house that my mom gave my dad money to buy him out when they got divorced, so it's the family house that we all grew up in, my mom's lived in it since she was 21 or something, um, so it's the only house she's ever known, other than obviously uh, like that, she, that she's ever known other than her parents' house, obviously, when you know when, when they lived with her mom and dad. So it means that it meant a big deal, and she made the decision when I moved out. Even though I argued even before that, you know, she she should have downscaled, uh, downscaled in preparation for me leaving. Um, but she just didn't. She didn't have the um, mindset of dealing with it, she, you know, did she chose not to deal with it, basically, I think, ultimately, and part of it was, she liked being there, it was at home, so we understood it and accepted it, and we respected our wishes, um, but I think that's coming to bite her back, because that's part of the reason I think my mom is having difficulty, because it's a huge four-bedroom house, it's in a really nice part of the town that we all live in, um, you know, um, it's a really nice neighbourhood, you know, it's not in a rough area, it's right near a bunch of schools, so if people are starting a family, there's like, you know, there's nurseries and a first school right around the corner, um, you know, so it's a, and it's, it's a, and it, there's, a, there's a country park literally, um, literally five minutes away, so it's, it's, um, it's a really great place to live and to start a family, 
So my mum admitted this finally, where we kind of looked and talked about it as a family, and we're like, me being in here in a four bedroom makes no sense. It should be for a family to enjoy it. And um, my mum, and also, but ultimately, I guess for the selfish point of view, because it's our mum and we care about her, is that, you know, it downscales so that she's not having such a hard time uh, dealing with stuff, quite understandably. So that's ultimately what we wanted to do. Um, and thankfully, my mum agreed. I was going to say caved in, but that sounds like we manipulated into doing it. But no, through an honest discussion, which I think is the only way you can do it, is that we should, we, we made the ultimate decision that she, you know she, um, we should help her downscale. Now, the problem with that, and I say this willingly because, again, very useful for people to know because we got blindsided by this. Um, so my mom didn't have a will at the time, so we decided, to, we was like, we'll help you with that, because she wanted to make sure everything was okay, because she wanted to give the house to us three, as in our, uh, um, our, child, our children. So um, the problem, so you need to have that obviously in writing, because if something happened at the particular time, it's being sensible, but obviously legally we have no claim to that, because she hasn't declared that. So, if, you know, if, dare I say, something happens to my mum when she passes away and she hasn't got a will, this is the problem if you don't have a will, you legally are screwed afterwards. Um, and we, uh, we've had situations like that in our own family very recently where it takes forever to know where the money should go because a tribunal ends up looking at it, an independent tribunal, and decides where the money should go. Um, whereas, you know, if a person has a will, then if you don't deserve any money, then they'll not put that in the will, and it's ultimately their decision. I really get very pissed when families argue about where the money should go because it is down to the individual. So if you don't get any money and they decide that, whether it's fair or not, it's their money. You know, you can be pissed and argue and resent that. But um, the, the thing that I see, a lot of families ruin their relationships over. It's always to do with money. But money that's not theirs, um, I find that very, 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 very um, uh, unhealthy. So that's just a bit of advice. Luckily, I don't feel like we're like that, um, as in my siblings are. Um, a whole, a whole protocol is to make sure that my mom feels um, comfortable with, you know, and do, do the will that she wants. So she wants the house to be ours. And the problem with that is because my mom's getting care. She now gets a carer that comes three times a day, um, which is good because I've always thought she needed that uh, for quite a while. So that's good, and obviously because of the fact my mum's retired and has a pension and doesn't have a huge amount of money, some of that's paid for by the council. So the downside of that is, is that it, the, um, the house is an asset. So the problem with the house being an asset is if she doesn't have a will and it isn't in a trust so that we end up getting the money when my mum passes away, then um, the, the government can take that asset and say it's an asset that can be used to pay for your care. So if my mom reaches a point where she's in a care home, which I don't think she is in that yet, we want to downscale where she has a warden and she can still have a fairly independent life, you know, because we're not she's not at that stage yet. Thank God, um, you know, so she's got. She, I think she's got a good few years left in her. In all in all seriousness, so um, we want to give her the best life possible, but make sure she's safe at the same time. So we don't want her to be overly safe that she, you know, you know, doesn't be, you know, independent and responsible and all that kind of thing. So it's finding the right balance, which is obviously time-consuming and, and it's difficult to figure out. Um, so we've had to legally get that all sorted, which takes a while, quite understandably. 
and then um, downscale by finding a place that the council approves. She can move, um, and then it's deciding what to do with the house while it sits there. Um, because selling it's still not an option. Because if we sell it and it's not, it has. It, we have to have it. We have to basically, as far as I understand it, you have to own it for a while, um, and my mum has to live a certain period of time um, in order for it to be set in stone. Um, so we can't just move her out and then sell it. But if we want to move her out, we still own the house. We could use it for whatever reason, um, or we could potentially look into renting it out if that doesn't um, if that doesn't impede on my mum's um, you know financial stuff as well. Um, so it's very complicated, um, and this is why I'm just saying this as a bit of friendly advice to people listening who might be interested. Have a will ready fairly quickly. Um, I'm talking, you know, you might want to do it like in your 40s. I know my, my sister's already done it. Um, so, you know, um, not to date her age-wise. I apologise, uh, my lovely sister. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's really sensible. Um, if you have your family set in stone and you know where you ultimately you know where your money's going to go, you can just say in writing all the money goes to this person, or I give ten percent to this or whatever. You can percentages is always good because if you start making more money or get into a load of money that you don't have when you write it, percentages don't matter because you get ten percent or something. So um, whatever you've got, uh, end up with. So I think that's really wise, um, because that leads to a huge amount of complications and risk really. Um, because the money can go to, um, and, and and considering I know we've looked into how much caring costs, you know, because if someone needs round the clock care, then you're talking thousands of pounds uh, a month, three basically. Um, you know, so if um, our house is valued, you know, I'm not going to say how much is valued just for privacy sake, but let's make an argument of a hundred grand. It's not worth a hundred grand, but it's worth more than that. But let's say a hundred grand. Um, how, imagine how quickly that would go. Um, you know, it w- it wouldn't. Um, it w- it would last a year, maybe. You know, I I, I don't know. I, I I know there'll be people who want to be more accurate than that, but I, I'm you know my point's still valid. It might not be completely hundred percent accurate, but it, you know I don't know how long realistically it would last, but not long. And so my mom obviously you know lasts ten years. That money goes away really quickly, and then her desire to have that given to our children is out the window. Um, you know, so you can understand wanting to get it right. Um, so in terms of my mum's well-being and depression, this is something I wanted to talk about and offer a bit of advice. You know, because I'm somebody who, particularly with lived experience, I'm not a you know, and I'm not an academic. I certainly read a lot of ac- academic studies about mental health, particularly bipolar disorder, because that's what I have. And I can offer this bit of advice about depression because I see this happen with people who have an undiagnosed form of depression as in they've never, they've never got to seek treatment for it. But some people I know who have depression have done nothing about it. And I think the reason why is the following. And if you could be aware of this and work on it, and, I, and, and, and there's a couple of things anyway that I told my man that I think is useful. So if you know somebody who has depression and you've got depression yourself, hearing this might ho- hopefully help is that the guilt you feel by not being a capable human being, I think, is the hardest thing about depression out of anything I could say. Obviously, you know, being suicidal and stuff, if you unfortunately feel that way, is probably more dangerous. But, I mean, the guilt of of feeling the way you are is the hardest thing to deal with. Now, what I mean is that when you're feeling depressed, 
you start thinking about all the negative stuff that, about yourself, about stuff around you, about sad stuff that you've been either going through or make or even making stuff up or getting upset over something that's quite you know consequential. Um, uh, that's the obvious signs of depression. So it leads you. And this is what my mom does all the time, and I, and I think she's finally understanding my point, is you feel incapable, and you obviously, when you're getting support for your depression in particular, you're reminded by everyone around you that you're not yourself. So you, so people deal with that, human beings do, because of the guilt and embarrassment they feel about it. So it's not understanding that they've got an illness and accepting it. It's they go 100 mile an hour to rectify it. So they'll do like extravagant suggestions or they'll work too hard or they'll put all their energy in. You know, for my, in my mom's case, my mom will run, like run around her house, you know, and as I said, she's 72 with Parkinson's, so she shouldn't be doing anything like this. But she'll run around and like try and be normal. So she'll do her washing. She'll do like a week's worth of stuff that she, she should, like a week's worth of stuff that she should do because of her age and her ability to do things. She'll do in a day. Because she's trying, she tries to like prove to herself mainly that she's not ill, and she can do, and, and she's like, I'm gonna beat this. But that is the road to getting more frustrated and more depressed because you're not better. The the way around it um, is I can I can see, I can definitely talk about it from my point of view is that like how I wake up in the morning determines what I'm able to do that day. So what I mean is is that when I'm um, if I wake up and I am really, really depressed, I don't assign a huge value to what I'm supposed to do that day because I'm aware that I'm not as capable as I should be being, dare I say, normal, even though I hate that word. So it's me acknowledging that I've got a disorder that I'm going to live with the rest of my life, but it's not, it's not about doing nothing, it's about doing something about it. And what I mean by something, it could be something as simple as, um, say you can't get out of bed, if you get out of bed, you've already won. That's already part of the battle. Is you felt like you couldn't get out of bed, but you 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 found a way to get out of bed. Now, if you ended up doing something like you had some breakfast and you did something, all the because I think people think depression is you just feel sad and it's your feelings, but it it also inhibits you from doing regular stuff. So if you look at it as I can still do regular stuff and it's not bothering me and even go to work if, if you're working, then you've, you're winning and you shouldn't feel guilty, you should feel proud because you are actively doing something about it but not overdoing it. Uh, it's the same as people who get depression who, because uh, people do the opposite, the, the opposite too, um, and what I mean is they go, I have depression and do nothing and go, I'm depressed but 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 stop looking after themselves. That's just as damaging. It's not about and asking for a million bit of support because I think that's the cool to be kind aspect and being responsible. You know when people go and there's people say this overly harshly and ignorantly when they go, you need to be responsible for your health. That's what they're meaning. But they apply that to you don't need any support is 100 percent down to you. Now that's that's what's unfair about people who say that is because they'll go. You know, it's you're hundred percent you're responsible. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that you need a nudge and, a, and a help being motivated, and maybe someone can make breakfast for you, or help you get out of bed, or motivate you, or send nice things via texting, whatever. That's what you'll need to get support. 
but it's not to do too much support, but it's also not to feel too responsible because people who are depressed can't be as responsible as they should be because they're not well. So that's not understanding the situation at all if you say that. But with my mum, I think is a great example of the amount that she asked for because, you know, um, I, I mentioned this to a friend of mine the other day because we were talking about this on Mentally Sound. My mum, when we go to the hospital, for example, because she's depressed and sad, will go, I need a wheelchair. I need you to thing me around everywhere because you, cause you'll say something like quite offensive as because you make me walk around too much. You know, you're so horrible for doing that. And, and you know, that comes across as my mum's not very nice, but it's what depressed people say. Depressed people what? Depressed people, if you let them, depressed people will let you do everything for them. And that's not a good support strategy for someone who feels that way, whatever mental health issue that they have. It's supporting them in a way that helps themselves. So if you do, you know, if they're really, really struggling, of course, you know, make some food for them or whatever. But don't make food for them every day because a depressed person will go, right, they're dealing with that now. I don't have to. And it's getting out of the mindset of saying, I don't have to. So you need to push them every now and again. And there'll be people who'll say, you shouldn't push them, you should support them, you should understand their situation. No, it's understanding that pushing them is what they need because it's 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 very similar to like if somebody has a heroin addiction, you know, uh, you know, you, you might put them in a in a room and and force them to withdraw from it. Now they're going to suffer because of you doing that. But what's the bigger picture? The bigger picture is to get them off that drug and to stop them being addicted to it. And it's the same as you want them to not be depressed, so they don't rely on you as often as they are. So that's what I think I've been sort of educating my siblings about because of my experience of dealing with that. Because if you let a depressed person get away with it, they'll do nothing. And if you're going to help them, they'll expect you to do that because you've just decided to do that because of their actions. And it's not because they're guilting you into doing that. It's because of how they feel. So obviously if they're depressed all the time, they're going to gonna be grateful that you're doing it. But they're gonna they're gonna inadvertently expect you to support them all the time, and it's finding the right balance because you know my mom you know I realised I was doing that a little bit too much, which is understandable because I love her dearly, but you know she would start criticising me having a life outside of looking after her, and that's where it becomes overbearing, um you know and as I say you know there there were certain situations early on where she wouldn't let me leave. You know, because she couldn't handle how she was feeling. And part of depression is realising, I feel like this, it's going to get better. Because, you know, if I'm feeling really, really depressed or on edge, I know it's only going to last a certain period of time. Unfortunately, it might last a couple of days, two or three days, sometimes even nearly a week. And I can't get out of that habit. But I've obviously learned techniques through therapy um, and whatnot. So um, it's finding what you can do to have a good enough day that it isn't impacting your life the whole time because people want to because people who don't know how to deal with it or haven't dealt with it want to go it's part of me but it doesn't define you it's part of what you have to deal with and there is such a thing as natural depression as well as in you can be depressed about things naturally it's when it becomes unnaturally that it's a mental health issue so if you are, you know, everything is going right for you when you're having a wonderful time and you're with your, the perfect partner, but you still feel like shit, that's a problem you have. 
it's not a situational thing. It's a problem that you have to deal with if you want to be better. Um, it's not just accepting that that's how you feel. It's and the thing is, in particularly in the UK, um, I can't speak for the rest of the world, obviously, but particularly in the UK, um, I said this to my mum, and I think this is a really important point about counselling, is that if the NHS had all the money in the world and was able to provide therapy for people who go to them with mental health issues, they would offer that before anything else. But the fact that they say it's going to be a 15-month waiting period is because of the high demand and the fact that therapists know they make more money being private um, because they weren't treated very well at the NHS years ago. So a bit like you know, dentists who leave the NHS and go private is because it's not worth it to them. Um, so it's understandable that loads of um, you know therapists go private and the ones who are on the NHS are in high demand. So it's uh, antidepressants are a short-term fix for a long-term problem majority of the time, and they're only helpful when you've got all the support, in, the, all the support network you need, whether you know professional support from your partner and family and friends. That's what you need, or it could even be from a, a, a work company as well, obviously for your work. You, that should be a topple. Basically, it's not a solution. Um, but it's the solution because of the lack of availability of therapists and money, because obviously private costs way more. Um, so by telling me mom that, and my mom has the ability to afford a therapist um, with you know pension money and whatnot and allowance money, it's convincing that. And it's when I phrased it that way, my mom came around to the idea of going to a more permanent one, um, which is wonderful. Um, so I think if you have people who um think therapy is a waste of time if they know that that's what they would offer but it's money money and um being o- the, the, the overwhelming demand is why nhs don't offer it then that hopefully might encourage it as much as my mom has because that's that's been a, a great achievement um so we're going to help my mom with that quite obviously um so yeah so it's progressing and my my we're looking at houses to change uh, my mom's situation so hopefully that will change sooner rather than later um, because obviously it's now nearly me um, and I don't want to keep doing this forever I obviously still want to see my mom in a social sense and I, I like spending time with my mom she can be very pleasant um, and uh, you know it, she's it's finding the right uh, medication to take um, and all that kind of stuff so um, yeah, um, it, it's progressing and it's, she's a, a lot more calmer and uh, in a better place than she was when this first started. So that's good news ultimately. So it's worth it just for that. But to be honest and frank about the situation leads to hopefully um, people listening to this. Um, if they're going through the same thing, feel a little bit of a bond in that sense. Um, and uh, it helps them through it basically. So, so there you go. That's ultimately the, um, and as I said, I've got more news in a personal sense, but I will talk about that in future episodes of the podcast. Um, but yeah, so that's my advice about depression. I guess the one thing I wanted to end on as well, because it's um, it's a really good, good story, um, and, and I just think it's very important because it happened recently, is the Koreans um, agreeing uh, to nuclear disarmament, um, you know, and crossing the border since, for the first time since 1957, I think it was, in the Korean War. Um, so Kim Jong-un sounds uh, very much more sane than his dad was. Um, but having said that, they agreed to this in something like it was 2008 when they agreed to do this. Um, and um, 
uh, they end, they were doing it secretly anyway. Which I always wanted to make that joke because I think it's hilarious to go when they go, yeah, but they, you know, when when reports go, but they secretly continue to do it. And it's not very secret in it. It's a bit like going, this is the um, this is the uh, one. Of, this is the wanting to be secret base. <laughs> it's not secret anymore, is it? When everyone goes, but they secretly did it for years. Well, yeah, they did it for years, but we know about it now. Not not a secret base anymore. Um, so hopefully they they mean it this time. But he seemed pretty genuine. I watched the video of them, you know, interacting with each other, and he did seem pretty genuine. Um, and also the fact that they came out as well, and he said that if the USA agree not to attack, that they will they will um, you know get rid of everything. Um, it's wonderful because you know the world. Uh, you know we don't want a nuclear world war, which could easily happen. Um, and this is a really, really good sign because if they all disarm and realise that, like, we're all the same people, we're all human beings, with all you know, we all have different uh, you know traits and, and races and all that kind of thing, but we're ultimately the same. And um, you know, life's hard enough. I mean, the idea of exploding the very thing that could, if you're not religious, is the only thing we have is this, these eighty or hopefully eighty or ninety years on the planet. Um, you know why? Why? Um, you know, I, I, I can never understand that level of hate, and having you know weapons for the sake of well, we have weapons, you have weapons, just in case. If we have no weapons at all, there's nothing to worry about. Um, so hopefully uh, they mean it this time, and I think it's a really good thing to end on because I think it's that that hopefully is as historical an historical event as it sounds. Um, and that we can, you know, for future generations, grow up in a world that we're not going to fuck up, because that that constantly is on my mind. That like we really are um, screwing the planet up, not just in terms of threats, but in terms of the way that we treat the Earth. Um, so hopefully we can fucking get it right, <laughs> so that the future generations listening to this and you know our kids and all that kind of thing can um, can um, you know grow up in an environment where they're not like you know spending all their efforts, you know. Um, <laughs> dealing with our mistakes essentially um, so yeah so I think that's a really really good story and uh, um, I think that you know it's made me feel better about the human race and the world and that we're all not going to die in a nuclear holocaust so uh, yeah so it's good news eh we're not going to die everybody at least not now <laughs> isn't that a good way to end and, but yeah so that pretty much covers my updates um, as I said the website um, hopefully it will be sorted ASAP um, got some episodes coming up in May obviously as I said Mentally Sound has gone to two a month so I'm going to do two episodes of the podcast just uh, Geek Apocalypse just to, just to summarise and two episodes of Mentally Sound which is on the second Friday 12.02pm on Spice FM you can also listen online at Spice fm.com and that's 98.8 fm if you have a radio frequency um so we're that said second friday four friday 12 till 2 p.m uh, it's live um on on the in the studio um, and as i said uh, every second that like so the space fm have it for two weeks and then uh, record it on their airwaves and then we can release it as a podcast so you can listen to any of the shows that we do a couple of weeks after it's aired so it'll be on every couple of weeks or so on iTunes. And as I said, I'm about to release the first edition of April and now because um, there, there was a little bit of a delay um, putting that up because we'd only just figured that out. Um, uh, well, actually, no, it's not a delay because it would have been the second week of April. So, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so, yeah, also, as well as I touched on on that episode, um, I get employment support allowance because of my um, illnesses. 
and that's being renewed um, is up for renewal so I've got to go to an assessment um, which I talked about on the last Mentally Sound so that's obviously stressing me out because obviously you know I, I don't know what I want to do because I've been wanting to get work as well which has been problematic because I've been trying to get look into work I can do but with my mum's demand, I mean, I, the, the idea of me doing any work at all, it, it, it's insane because, you know, not only am I doing my mum's medication, but obviously I'm doing, going to our appointments with her, I've gone shopping with her, um, I, you know, I've been like running a life essentially because even our social, um, our social gatherings, I'm getting our friends going, is this okay? Because, you know, with someone that's as depressed as my mum has been, She's like not confident in doing anything and wants like permission off me to do things. Um, you know, so I am like a carer from the fall. Uh, so anyone who's a carer, um, which I used to be pretty much unofficially when I worked, when I uh, worked there, when I lived with my mum. So you know, it feels like that, but I'm in my own place, which is even more uh, stressful when you think about it. So, but hopefully it's turning a corner. Um, it certainly feels like it is. So. Um, I see. Uh, yeah, so that pretty much wraps things up. Uh, thank you for um, bearing with me during this uh, solo edition of the podcast. And as I said, if you haven't listened to previous episodes, I think some of them are really, really good. I feel like I'm getting back in my groove. So I encourage you to listen to that. Uh, to Alex and to Paul Cram uh, is the two that I remember, and Gary O'Neill, who does the Star Trek, uh, the Star Trek films. And yeah, so um, plenty of guests coming up. I'm trying to uh, get some booked uh, for me, obviously. As I said, Mentally Sound, the next one will be the second of uh, second Friday of May. So tune into that if you can. Obviously, continue to support podcasts in the UK. I need all the help they can get. Uh, and thank you so much for the support uh, for Mentally Sound and for this podcast. If you're a regular listener in particular, I really appreciate it. But that's it for me. Um, have a good May. Um, obviously, uh, May the 4th be with you. Uh, always um, when that comes around and uh, yeah have a good um, rest have a good start of the week and uh, we'll be back very soon for another edition of the Geek Portland podcast but all it leaves me to say is in the words of the great B-movie Robot Jocks Crash and Burn which I might stop saying B-movie because it isn't really and it's on Netflix if people are interested watch it it's awesome uh, so in the great B-movie or the great movie Robot Jocks Crash and Burn and we'll see you very soon for the newer edition of the Geek Portless Podcast. I've been Stephen Hesse. Uh, subscribe if you can. And I'm at geek underscore apocalypse on the tweets. Thank you very much. Uh, have a good week, guys. Bye. Take care. Love you. Mean it.